With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to KFI AM 640, Wake Up Call with me, Amy King, on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Don't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. I'll take this little tree home and decorate it, and I'll show them it really will work in our play. Never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. Charlie Brown is a blockhead, but he did get a nice tree. It's time for your morning wake-up call. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! Here's Amy King. It's 5 o'clock on your wake-up call. Monday, December 11th. I'm Amy King. Ready to start your work week? I love the Charlie Brown Christmas. I have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And I heard that Kono has one too. I do. And you have more than that. I have. So I have a Snoopy ornament or a a Snoopy um, lawn decoration. Like an inflatable? An inflatable and a a light that he's on top of the mailbox. Oh. Um, Woodstock is coming out of the of the mailbox. It opens up. Cute. And then me and my daughter have matching peanut sweats. She loves Snoopy. Oh, aren't you the cutest? Yes. That's so fun. I love seeing all the decorations and people dressing up. I got on my, I've got another Disney sweatshirt on. That's see, it's my Christmas candy cane. I like cane. your Disney gear. Thank Bill you. Bill not, but I do. <laughs> so it's the week before the week before Christmas, and I do have a tree update for you. Uh, last week I told you that I bought my two hundred dollar Christmas tree. <laughs> and it just sat there in my house. And I finally on Friday, after I took my nap on Friday afternoon, I was like, all right, it's time. So I did decorate and it's beautiful and uh, very happy about that. Hey, and guess what? It's going to be a blue Christmas for Shohei Otani. Signing with the Dodgers. $700 million. 10-year contract. And the kicker to this, I just think it's... yeah. I know he's an amazing player. He's not even going to pitch until 2025. 
but he is expected to play on opening day of 2024. I did read that it's nearly $500,000 per game that he makes. Oh, my God. It's more than I make in like 20 years. <laughs> Most people, yeah. Yeah. I did think the cool thing, uh, Kono and I were talking about this, The kind of a cool thing about it is that the way that he structured it, he doesn't get most of the money until the end of the contract, which frees up the Dodgers to still spend the money so they can continue to get players because he would take up such a huge chunk of their allocation or what is it, whatever they're, the money that they can spend before they hit the cap. So I'm excited. Great that he's turning blue. Here's what's ahead on Wake Up Call. Fire crews have surrounded about 50% of a wind-driven fire in Ventura County. The fires burned 2,700 acres since it started Saturday. Evacuation orders near Santa Paula have been lifted, but residents in the area have been warned to be ready to get out again if needed. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says it's the beginning of the end for Hamas. He says dozens of militants have surrendered as Israel continues to pound the Gaza Strip. Netanyahu says it'll take more time, but his message to Hamas is... It's over. A new Wall Street Journal poll shows former South Carolina Republican Governor Nikki Haley would beat President Biden by 17 points in a hypothetical matchup. But Haley still trails former President Trump by more than 40 percent in recent polling for the Republican nomination. Let's get started with some of the stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. We mentioned the fire in Ventura County, that evacuation orders have been lifted. There's a brush fire also burning in Cabazon. It burned about 65 acres on Saturday. It's 80% surrounded. It started uh, and was pushed by winds. The fire spread stopped by late Saturday afternoon. L.A. County Sheriff's investigators have asked for the public's help to find three women who stole about $15,000 worth of clothing and shoes from a store in Calabasas. The burglary at Feature happened the day after Thanksgiving. Officials say security video shows the woman as they entered the store and started grabbing merchandise. They took off in a white Audi with no license plates. Former President Trump has canceled his plans to testify a second time in his civil fraud trial in New York. He posted on his Truth social platform that he will not be testifying today as originally planned. His reasons included the testimony of his expert witnesses and alleged bias by the judge overseeing the case. He also says he already testified in November and has nothing more to say other than that the case is election interference. Closing arguments are set for January 11th and a written decision in the case could come later in the month. Now, let's say good morning to ABC's Jim Ryan. Jim, this is just a heartbreaking case. Tell us about the woman who has sued to get an abortion, why she did it, and what's kind of happened so far. Because there's been a lot of movement in a very short oh, period yeah. of time. Right, and we're still waiting for some movement in this case, Amy. Uh, yes, last week, a woman named Kate Cox, who lives here in the Dallas area, went to the uh, a, a district court in Texas. Her physicians had told her that her baby, her fetus, 20 weeks into this pregnancy, has a fatal anomaly, meaning she's either going to be stillborn or will live a very short life after that because of these abnormalities. What's more, those physicians told her, uh, Kate Cox, that her own health was in jeopardy. She's had two previous C-sections, and this case, this pregnancy, this problem pregnancy, if the heart were to stop, could uh, have some serious consequences either for Kate Cox's life or her her fertility, her ability to have kids in the future. So uh, the attorneys, the doctors went to the uh, district court uh, now last week. The district court said, yes, you can go ahead and have this despite the restrictions under Texas law. 
this Texas Supreme Court, though, at the urging of the state attorney general, stepped in and said, no, 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 we're going to put a hold on that. We will issue a, a firm reading, but for now, everything is on hold. And so we're waiting for the next step that comes from the Texas Supreme Court, Amy. Okay, so the Supreme Court hasn't issued a ruling yet. They right. just put a stay on it. Exactly right. They the temporary restraining order. They've said no. Let's we're going to pause that TRO. Do not get this abortion yet, uh, but because we're going to have a final ruling at some point. And both sides, the 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 plaintiff side, the defendants, the state, uh, the Cox family, they've all said that the the time is of the essence. So we have to hope that the Supreme Court is going to have some ruling soon. Right. And because uh, she's more than twenty weeks along, so she's got like what eighteen, nineteen weeks left to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so, and some have said, well, you know, why don't you just go to a state? So something like 20 states now have restrictions similar to those here in Texas. Texas has kind of been a boilerplate for other state legislatures. And so the, the, many of them, nearly half now have a similar fetal heartbeat law. People have said, well, why don't you just go to a different state? Uh, Kate Cox says that uh, under Texas law, if she meets the exceptions that are in the law, she shouldn't have to go anywhere else. Her attorneys have said the same thing. So that's what uh, we're waiting for. Does does her case, really the heart of the matter here, Amy, is this. Uh, does a lethal fetal anomaly, a fetal anomaly like the one that Kate Cox's fetus have, does that qualify Kate Cox or any pregnant patient under Texas restrictions for an abortion? Uh, so she's kind of in a gray area. It's not absolutely certain that her life would be jeopardized by carrying this this baby forward. The, the baby's life certainly is is not uh, there, there won't be quality to it if there's any life at all uh, but uh, so but at the same time the state is saying no this doesn't meet the requirements so even because of the condition that the baby we have even if the baby survived you're saying that the baby would have no quality of life something like a 95 percent fatality rate within the first year mm. and again doctors say that normally this ends in a stillbirth or a life that lasts a few hours maybe a few days but yes about five percent do make it to the first year okay and if the court does end up ruling against her she could still go to another state she could, yes. Uh, last week when the lower court ruling said, go ahead and you can get the abortion, she could have gone and gotten the abortion immediately. The state attorney general, Ken Paxton, uh, wrote an open letter to doctors and to hospitals saying, well, if you do this, you're still subject to potential lawsuits or losing your license or this sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, she it, it gives Kate Cox the option to either have the abortion here, have the abortion elsewhere, not have the abortion, the abortion at all. Yeah. And you just think that this case could be kind of a flashpoint because it could go one of actually three ways, right? She's forced to carry to term. Mm-hmm. The baby dies. She can't have more children. Tragic. Right. She goes somewhere else, terminates the pregnancy. Or she has to carry to term and somehow or another the baby survives. But then, like you said, doesn't have a quality of life. So it's like there's just it's like a no win situation. Yeah. I mean, it's a tragic situation all the way around. And her, you know, Kate Cox has been quite uh, vocal about it. I don't think she, she did not want to be the poster child for the Texas abortion law or against the Texas abortion law. Two weeks ago, everything was great. She and her husband were looking forward to having their third child. Well, along came this diagnosis of this uh, trisomy 18, which is a serious chromosomal anomaly. And suddenly their their lives are turned upside down. There's no happy ending to this at all. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in Texas. Mm-hmm. 
what what is the sentiment about this law because it is one of the strictest in the country well it is you know and i think that uh, the state legislature can read the tea leaves they know uh, generally how their constituents are going to feel about things like this and so i think that's why they've gone all in on this kind of really restrictive uh, abortion law and again other states have kind of taken this up and used it as their own template for for their own abortion laws you know to replace texas with with Kentucky or with Florida or with Arkansas and, and voila, you've got your law written. Yeah. And while I think that this specific circumstance is more of an outlier mm-hmm. than like a regular abortion case, it just it's just tragic on all ends. There's no, ha- like you said, there's no happy ending here, but we will be watching it. And uh, thank you so much for the information. Very helpful. Thanks, Amy. All right. Take care, Jim. Let's get back to some of the stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A driver has been killed in a wrong-way crash in the Baldwin Hills area of L.A. Police say the man was driving southbound in northbound lanes of La Cienega Boulevard late last night. A man and woman in one of the cars he hit was taken to the or were taken to the hospital. A Jewish man in his 70s has been attacked on his way to synagogue. The first, the first was a shock. There was a huge hard knock on my forehead here. That was really enraged, not because of the thing, because I was hit as a Jew. Police say the 44-year-old man who allegedly attacked him yelled anti-Semitic statements during the attack. The man's been arrested and is facing assault with a deadly weapon, attempted robbery, a hate crime, and elder abuse. Israeli forces have been fighting Palestinian militants in Gaza's two largest cities. People in one of those cities say the situation is extremely difficult and that no place is safe. ABC's Justin Finch says civilian infrastructure may be on the brink of collapse. Israeli forces now claim they've killed 7,000 Hamas fighters since the war began, but at a heavy cost. More than 18,000 Palestinians have died, according to the Hamas-run health ministry. And he says nearly 85% of Gaza's population is said to have been displaced. Israel has pledged to keep fighting until it removes Hamas from power, dismantles its military, and returns all of the hostages still held since October 7th. Santa Claus is taking some time out of his busy schedule to spread some holiday cheer around Riverside. He'll be riding along with the Riverside Fire Department from 6 to 8 tonight through Thursday six to eight each night and again next tuesday through thursday it's the 26th annual santa ride along the fire truck he's on will be making stops so people can get photos with santa and the jolly old elf will also be handing out candy canes to kids mom dad don't even think about it shohei otani is turning blue the former angel slugger and pitcher signed a 700 million dollar 10-year deal with the la dodgers the dodgers have been trying to get otani since he graduated from high school but he went and played for a japanese league instead and then they tried again in 2018 but otani went to the angels now he's ours We'll be talking more about this on Handle on the News coming up at 6.05. The state is investing $30 million in 15 projects to protect people against weather emergencies. The governor says climate change is wiping out entire towns from the map, and this should help. The projects include adding a second road in and out of Paradise, which was destroyed by a fire a couple of years ago. The waiting game is on for two people to come forward to claim their share of a $395 million Mega Millions jackpot. Both tickets for Friday night's drawing were sold at the Chevron on Ventura Boulevard in Encino.
Let's now say good morning to ABC's Jordana Miller in Jerusalem. Now, Jordana, we're hearing from Benjamin Netanyahu that he's saying the beginning of the end has begun and is saying that uh, Hamas militants are starting to surrender. Right. Well, we saw over the weekend um, lots of videos circulating both on the Israeli news and on social media platforms of uh, dozens of men uh, stripped to their underwear uh, some blindfolded, handcuffed, some turning over weapons, being, uh, you know, led off somewhere to be uh, later, we were told, questioned. Um, these were videos that were put out by Israeli soldiers, but not through the official channels of the Israeli army. Uh, and it turns out that now uh, there's been a lot of criticism. Uh, first of all, Israel obviously wanted to show that uh, Gaza and fighters are surrendering. Uh, and that's where we also, you know, heard from the prime minister who said, just surrender, don't die for Yaha Sinwar. That's Hamas's militant leader, mm-hmm. who Israel's, you know, he's the top of Israel's wanted list. But on the other hand, these photographs and videos, you know, they're very, you know, dehumanizing for Palestinians. Uh, they, you know, they, they look like, you know, uh, there could be some kind of, abuse going on there as well. So these are, these were the, basically the prime minister's advisor in the end said, you know, these pictures, these pictures don't serve anyone. We're not going to see more of these, Uh, you know, and even the chief spokesman for the Israeli army said, you know, these photographs, these images, you know, we do, we strip people because we believe they might have explosive devices, but, Right, it makes sense. Like this. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense, but maybe, maybe don't show it. Yeah. Yeah, there you know, the civil there are civilians in there. They should be dressed and they are dressed, he said and then let go. Uh so uh that was I think uh, a blunder on the Israeli army's part. Uh nonetheless it does show that some some parts of the northern Gaza strip now are really coming under uh, almost full Israeli control while they continue to fight intensely in southern Gaza, in Khan Yunus. That battle, far from one, it will be a few weeks of intense fighting there. Okay, and there is talk that that in the southern Gaza uh, city, uh, Khan Yunus, as you mentioned, that some of the leaders may be hiding in tunnels there and also hostages may be being held there. That's right. I mean, Israel believes that Yechasinwar, the head of of, of Hamas and the man who masterminded the October 7th attack, he is believed to be hiding in the tunnel network under Khan Yunus. And it's likely that the 137 hostages that are still being held, albeit 20 at least, Israel knows, are dead or just bodies, they are likely there as well in southern uh, Gaza. So, you know, Israel's mission, it has said from the beginning, is twofold. Uh, one, to dismantle Hamas from the Gaza Strip, push it out, uh, and two, to bring the hostages home. Uh, we have not heard of any real momentum, again, on talks uh, for a new ceasefire, uh, though it has to be said the talks have never really ended. The doors open. There just hasn't really been much um, progress. And Hamas today threatening that, you know, they won't agree to any uh, release of the hostages except on their terms. But it doesn't look like they're putting those terms on the table in a realistic fashion, not now. Okay. And I don't know if you have the answer to this, Jordana, but I was thinking about this. Um, 
you know, mm-hmm. Christmas is just two weeks away. We're in the middle of Hanukkah, but do we know how the war is going to affect Christmas celebrations in Bethlehem, which is in the West Bank, right? Right. Well, the West Bank has been, I mean, there have been nightly Israeli army raids throughout the West Bank, and hundreds of people have been arrested, hundreds that are linked to Hamas, hundreds that are not. They're perhaps aligned with other militant groups. Um, But there's no question that the atmosphere and the celebration of Christmas this year is going to be different Mm. here in places like Bethlehem uh, and the Old City uh, and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, um, primarily because they're just, uh, you know, with the war going on, usually there's tens of thousands of pilgrims that flock here, you know, come here to the Holy Land for Christmas celebrations. Uh, And this is, you know, you know, if you're thinking of a place to visit over Christmas, you know, wartime Israel is not probably on that list. Yeah. I just, I remember seeing the images of Manger Square during the pandemic where, like you said, normally there's just tens and tens of thousands of people there and it's an amazing place to be. And then during the pandemic, it was empty. And I was just curious what it might be like this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it'll also be subdued. Look, even Hanukkah, it's eight nights. Uh, There's a lot of nights of celebration and it's, it's, very subdued here yeah. uh, as well. All right, Jordana, thank you so much for the information and the insight. As always, we appreciate it. Okay, talk soon. All right, take care. Let's get back to some of the stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A person has been killed in a shooting at a party in San Pedro. It happened just after midnight yesterday near 11th and Palos Verde Streets. A woman and another man were hurt. A teacher in Moreno Valley has been arrested for allegedly being drunk in public and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. The teacher was arrested Saturday at Valley View High School. A parent had called the sheriff's station and reported the teacher appeared to be intoxicated on school grounds. People in Tennessee are cleaning up after severe storms killed six people. At least 26 tornadoes, 26 tornadoes were reported across the region over the weekend. Government officials confirmed three people died near Nashville when a tornado hit Montgomery County on Saturday. Three others were killed from tornadoes in a neighborhood near downtown. This man in Clarksville says he was putting his son in a car seat when he heard what sounded like a freight train. I pulled my son out as fast as I could. We ran inside. My two sons and my wife and I, we jumped in the bathroom. Officials say the storms toppled houses and cut power to tens of thousands of people. President Biden has invited Ukrainian President Zelensky to the White House. The two are set to meet tomorrow. The White House says Biden intends to underscore the U.S.'s unshakable commitment to supporting the people of Ukraine in the war against Russia. Biden is pushing Congress to approve more aid for Ukraine. Fire crews have surrounded about 50 percent of a wind-driven wildfire in Ventura County. The fire has burned 2,700 acres since it started Saturday. Evacuation orders near Santa Paula have been lifted, but residents in the area have been warned to be ready to get out again if needed. A man who allegedly tried to ram into several police vehicles at the end of a chase has been shot by Huntington Park Police. The 51-year-old is in critical condition. One officer was injured late Saturday afternoon. A new Wall Street Journal poll shows former South Carolina Republican Governor Nikki Haley would beat President Biden by 17 points in a hypothetical matchup. But Haley still trails former President Trump by more than 40 points 
in recent polling for the Republican nomination. At 6.05, it's Handle on the News. Netanyahu says militants have been surrendering, and this is the beginning of the end of Hamas. At 5.50, we're going to be telling you how your presence could be the best present this Christmas, and we've got a great idea on how you can do it. Right now, let's say good morning to ABC's Steve Roberts. Steve, college campuses are in the spotlight as protests break out across the U.S., the president of the University of Pennsylvania forced to resign over the weekend. That's true. And uh, the reason for this is that she appeared at a congressional hearing along with the presidents of Harvard and MIT and was asked pointedly um, about uh, policies toward anti-Semitism on their campuses. And she gave a very legalistic answer. This woman, Liz McGill, was formerly the dean of the Stanford Law School. And so she interpreted the question from a very legalistic point of view. And what she said was actually pretty accurate when she said, look, the American tradition, our tradition is that we permit speech and we defend free speech until it becomes conduct, until it crosses a line. Uh, to threaten individuals. Well, that was a legalistic answer, but it was not a moral answer. And what she and the other three, the other two college presidents failed to do was say, look, we defend the right of our students to protest. We defend the right of them to support Palestine, but we denounce anti-Semitism when we denounce harassment and bullying on our campuses. There's a difference between banning speech and criticizing speech. And they just hid behind the notion of, well, we're not going to ban anything, but they failed to criticize uh, uh, the the uglier uh, themes that they heard on their campuses. And it was a moral moment. And leading a university is not just about legality. It's also about moral leadership, and that's where they failed. Yeah, and they have to walk this really, you know, a really tight line because they kind of have to be politically correct. And like you said, they have to say that the campus is supposed to be more neutral on a lot of things and let the students protest because they can. But I think that that where they tripped themselves up, like you said, is they gave a legal answer and all three of them, at least, well, at least two of them that I saw said, well, it depends on the context. And I was like the context of whether genocide is correct. I mean, it was, it became really uncomfortable to watch too. It did because, uh, and they, they just, uh, failed to understand the larger implications of what they were saying. Um, and um, uh, look, the, the takeaway from this is not that this speech should be banned. That would be right. uh, an unfortunate uh, takeaway. Um, the, the answer is, uh, is debate. It's robust engagement. It's criticism. It's, it's, this is all part of the, the, the central role of any university. I've taught at George Washington University for 33 years. Um, and that's what universities should do. Um, they should be forms of debate. They should be forms where views clash and contradict and, 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 and argue. But also, the other problem that these university uh, officials have is that they haven't always been consistent about free speech because at times they have supported speech codes which actually restrict speech and and, and protect students from from being um, uncomfortable or coddled. Um, and the same presidents who now are defending free speech have not always done that, and they haven't always done free speech for conservatives. You look what happened at the Stanford Law School last spring. 
a conservative judge was invited to speak. He was shouted down by liberal hecklers. And uh, an official of the university got up and defended the hecklers, saying that they felt pained by what the judge had to say, in part because he had been critical of transgender rights and and other issues that the students objected to. But um, uh, this is also part of the backstory here, that uh, these universities have defended the free speech rights of a lot of liberals, but not always of conservatives. Yeah. Now, so the the University of Pennsylvania president, Liz McGill, stepped down. What's going on with Harvard and MIT? Any indications on whether one or both of them might resign as well? Well, the president of MIT was was not quite as tied up in the in the, in the debate, and the the uh, governing body at MIT is pr- pretty much supportive of her. Harvard's a more difficult problem because Claudine Gay, the president of that of that university, um, has made a number of statements that have angered donors and and uh, folks. But let's be completely honest here: Claudine Gay is the first black woman to be president of Harvard. And Harvard is going to be very, very, very reluctant to push her out. So to be completely frank with you, she has some protections that Liz McGill didn't have. Okay. Now, Steve, you mentioned that you've been teaching at George Washington for like decades. Has, and you're <laughs> seeing a lot of anti-Israeli or anti-Semitic sentiment. Is this something that's been simmering or did it just really explode with the, with the Israel-Hamas war? Well, I think both. It's a very good question, and I think it's both. Let's let's be honest here. The formation of the state of Israel after the Holocaust is ancient history to students. Even the wars in '67 and '73, when Israel's very existence was threatened by Arab invasions, that's also ancient history. Mm-hmm. And and Israel's historic profile identity as a struggling democracy surrounded by threatening and hostile Arab countries. That's not the image young people have of Israel today. What they have of Israel is much more of a a powerful state that represses its neighbors and represses um, the Palestinians. And, um, you know, there's I believe there's a direct line from uh, movements like Black Lives Matter. In effect, a lot of what you're seeing is is, it could be called Palestinian Lives Matter. It's the same impulse on the part of young people to identify with um, marginalized and oppressed peoples, and they see Israel as the oppressor, not as the victim. And uh, and and they've forgotten history, and then maybe they've never actually even learned it. Um, but also, I think, let's be also honest: anti-Semitism has always simmered just below the surface, mm-hmm. and this uh, explosion uh, on the Middle East has uh, triggered and permitted and and enabled. Uh, expressions of anti-Semitism um, that have always been there. Uh, so it's a combination of factors. But uh, bottom line here is that um, young people are far less supportive of Israel. There was a Quinnipiac poll about 46% of Americans overall supported Israel's policy in the Middle East, but only 20% of young people under 35, which uh, is a stunning difference, and it uh, it's a political threat to Joe Biden because of his staunch support for Israel has caused growing unease among a number of younger voters. Yeah. Another sign, too, that higher education isn't necessarily educating, at least not equally <laughs> educating. Steve Roberts, thank you so much for your time and uh, your insight this morning. Appreciate it.
Anytime. All right. Let's get back to some of the stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Another claim has been filed against the L.A. County Sheriff's Department over the death of a deputy. The $20 million claim blames the department's overtime policy for the death of Deputy Arturo Atilano Valadez, who killed himself in November. His widow says he suffered from deep depression after being forced to work exhaustive, mandatory overtime for a dozen years at a jail facility. The parents of a deputy killed outside the sheriff's Palmdale station in September have also filed a claim over the department's overtime policy. The State Department has invoked emergency rules to bypass congressional approval for the sale of 13,000 rounds of tank ammunition to Israel. Secretary of State Antony Blinken also says the U.S. is in constant contact with Israel about complying with international humanitarian rules. There's a gap between the intent and the, re- and the results, and that's the gap that we're trying to make sure is closed. He says the U.S. is trying to lower civilian casualties. President Biden is traveling to Philadelphia this morning. The White House says he's going to announce a federal grant for the city's fire department to pay for the reopening of three fire companies. LeBron James' son, Bronny, made his college basketball debut when US, uh, USC hosted Long Beach State over the weekend. He scored four points yesterday. But USC lost in overtime. The younger James suffered a a cardiac arrest during practice in July and was just cleared to play again last week. Shohei Otani is turning blue. The former Angel slugger and pitcher has signed a $700 million 10-year deal with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have been trying to get Otani since he graduated from high school. But uh, at that time, he went to a Japanese league instead. And then they tried again in 2018, but Otani went to the Angels. Well, now he's ours. And we're going to be talking more about the deal in Handle on the News coming up at 6.05. Ukrainian President Zelensky will travel to Washington, D.C. tomorrow. President Biden invited him to the White House for a meeting to underscore U.S. support for Ukraine. The meeting comes less than a week after Senate Republicans blocked an aid package for Israel and Ukraine as well because it didn't include a plan for the U.S. border. Barbenheimer continues to rule. Barbie has topped the Golden Globe Awards nominations just announced. Uh, Barbie got nine nominations and Oppenheimer came up with eight. Right now. I'm going to explain to you how your presence is the present this Christmas. So we all have a lot of stuff. And I think what we learned during the pandemic when we couldn't be together is that we craved experiences. So I was thinking and my friend, a couple of my friends and I have done this throughout the years where we give each other experiences as opposed to something that you can hold in your hand. So why not give the gift of an experience this Christmas? You can do it with a friend. You can do it with a boy or girlfriend. You can do it with a loved one. And we thought that this one would be a really fun gift to give this Christmas. Again, your presence is the present. So this morning we have Laura Palpian with us. She is the owner of Prime Ingredient. So Laura, tell us about what we cooked and the whole process of the 12 of us who attended the class and what we just went through. These cooking experiences uh, bring together friends, family, just people around you that you want to just hang out with that we hadn't been able to do for a long time. And uh, the process that we went through today was to give you a full folio of Lebanese history, culture, some funky words and <laughs> we heard lots of funky words <laughs> yes a lot lots of funky words and kind of just take you through some recipes that i had as a kid 
and that my mom showed me how to make. And so these recipes are based on what you learned as you were growing up, and you said, these are so good, I need to share these with the world. Absolutely, and I, and I expanded on what my mom taught me a little bit, um, but primarily it was just about getting good food on the table quickly, Yep. and um, it doesn't have to be complicated. I love that, and what we did, so you can see some of the things we did, so let's point out a couple of the things we did. Um, we started out with this, and again, yes. I can't say any of this stuff, so I'm going to leave all I'll, the names up to out. Laura. I'll help you out. So this is Manaish. This is the basic Manaish recipe, which is basically za'atar on top of some bread, um, but za'atar with my prime spice. So I make a prime spice that is similar to uh, za'atar. It's a Mediterranean blend with thyme and oregano. And by the way, I grow the oregano in my backyard. You do? Yeah. Yeah. She told me that she had a lot of side hustles. Now I believe it. Okay. Yes. yes. So we made this, uh -huh. and that was course that was number one, course and we made one. three different kinds. Super easy to do, and it was fun, and you had all of us up chopping things and decorating things and putting things in the oven and, and coming out, which was why it was so much fun, because we weren't only watching you cook. We got to do it with you. And I think the experience part of it is is great. It can get bedlam, which is so much fun. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. In fact, I think I lit something on fire. <laughs> well, that just made it more fun. Okay, and then we went on to salad. And so... Yes, so is this is a grilled olive salad, and it has traditional uh, Persian cucumbers in there, some Roma tomatoes, and the grilled olives, we did it right here in class. Who knew you could gr grill olives? And it makes them, like, nutty and just gives them a different ta uh, taste and flavor. Absolutely, and, and you want to serve them slightly warm, so it's a really different take on a salad. Okay. And then we had the rice and we had the salmon, which she also taught us how to make the marinade. So that was fun. And then grilled the salmon and also baked the salmon, did it a couple of different ways. And we would be remiss if we didn't say that not only are you teaching us how to do things, you're teaching us how to make like our own marinades and how to make yeah. this baby. Oh, the salad dressing. It's so good. Pantry staple for sure. It's super, super simple. And it's a basic vinaigrette, mm -hmm. um, but it's elevated with the prime spice and some really tasty olive oils. Okay. And speaking of the really tasty olive oils, here they are. Yes, I love my California-based olive oils. They're uh, grown in Yuba City, California, the olive trees, and uh, they are crushed within the first 24 hours of shaking from the trees. And it's a robust blend, which has a little bit of heat at the finish. Mm -hmm. It's just the cultivar of olives that we use. And um, the mild blend, which is perfect for cooking on heat. Okay. Uh, but you can have it just shoot it just like tequila to <laughs> Okay, so you came up with these and these. And if I want to get those, where do I find them? Yes, theprimeingredient.com. Okay. And you can just click on shop, and there's a prime trio that you can buy. You'll get both all olive oils and the spice, and it's all packaged together just like that. Or you can buy them a la carte. As that well. could be a fun Christmas gift, too. And like we were talking about with the classes, you generally do like an in-home experience. I do. Okay, I so do. if somebody is interested in having Laura come to the house yes. and do an in-home experience, and I will tell you, this was so much fun because I am not a very good cook, and I don't know, like, I don't know how to think to put the things together. So she's kind of taken all of that and done it for me, but made the whole experience really fun that you can do it yourself oh i'm yeah. going to totally do this for yeah. my family at christmas i can't wait absolutely they, they're going to think i'm crazy because they're going to say no you can't do that but i think i'm going to really do it it's traditional holiday 
feast, what you're having. So it, whose tradition? It could be just yours now. <laughs> I love that. But you can find out about the cooking experiences also on the primeingredient.com. And uh, there's just a little drop down that says private cooking events. And you can just inquire. There you go. Laura, Dr. P, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, we cooked a whole meal and we got to take home some fabulous leftovers. And the really cool thing, again, that made it fun and a fun experience is we weren't only watching her, but we learned how to cook this meal and uh, really, really fun. So we've got some more ideas for you leading up to Christmas about how your presence is the present. But for right now, I will be posting the interview so you can see what we cooked. Uh, it's on, or it's going to be on my IG at Amy K King and also KFI's Instagram. I think we're going to put it up on the webpage to KFIAM640.com slash wake up call. Really cool. I can't, I'm so excited for Christmas this year. This is KFI and KOST HD2 Los Angeles, Orange County. We lead local live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Amy King. This has been your wake-up call. Thanks so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Wake Up Call with me, Amy King. You can always hear Wake Up Call 5 to 6 a.m. Monday through Friday on KFI AM 640 and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.